the government did not declare that they would close the camps, but they wanted a roadmap to a process of closure. And uh, But you can imagine for the 400,000 refugees in Kakuma and Dadaab, uh, even that conversation brought, uh, generated a lot of anxiety and, and fear because for many of them returning to their countries in a region where there is still instability, violence, and uh, some of that is homophobic violence, let alone just intercommunal uh, violence. This was really a moment of, of, of fear. And it is great to hear that uh, with the intervention of the um, headquarters of uh, UNHCR and the government of Kenya, that they may be looking at a way of an alternative to a haphazard um, decampment of these hundreds of thousands of people. Now, when it comes to um, uh, the Kenyan authorities, you know, do you believe that they're being ignorant um, of local and international laws, which, of course, protect the rights of refugees? So, so, first of all, Kenya has been a sanctuary country for over three decades. I mean, one of the things that I think Kenyans can be proud of is that we have provided refuge and mm-hmm. safety for um, the region um, for over over three decades. I think the the challenges that come with that is that we have camps like the Dab that have been around, you know, for at least three generations. So we have three generation refugees that are living in Kenya, and, and camps are never intended to be a permanent solution to um, migration or displacement. So the challenge really is to think about what would be the alternative to maintaining what is a medium-sized town um, in one of our counties. And I think the alternatives, uh, you know, there are several alternatives. The first, I think, is to pressurize the international community, particularly the richer, more powerful countries, to take up their responsibility for funding humanitarian operations. Um, one of the pressures on the government is that, you know, we are 72% or something like that under the funding that's required to run the operation of places like the Dab and Kakuma. And therefore, there needs to be pressure on the international community to meet their side of the bargain. The second option, of course, is resettlement and decongestion of the camps based on voluntary resettlement to other countries. But many, many, many countries have actually closed asylum uh, during this period of COVID-19. And for some countries like the United States of America, under the, uh, under the Trump regime, there has been virtually any tolerance of asylum seekers. But I think resettlement is a second strategy. And the third one is uh, really thinking about integration and inclusion in different parts of Kenya. And that there's no reason why these 400,000 people, some of them could be um, essentially voluntarily supported, at, or uh, can be supported to voluntarily move to different parts of the country and settle there. Many of them are not in need of, you know, I guess, 24-hour assistance. Many of them are capable of generating their own livelihood and uh, supporting their families. And uh, um, the two camps here um, are Africa's largest refugee camps, uh, um, Irunga. What kind of international support can be provided at this time uh, to help the refugees in the camps? Well, I think the, uh, the camps, as you say, are, are extremely large. They are fairly old. The, the Dab camp is actually three separate camps and is largely dominated or rather populated by people from uh, Somali, uh, Somalia and uh, to some extent uh, Ethiopia and other places. But there are several nationalities. I mean, you have in Kakuma, um, you have Ugandans, you have Congolese, you have Burundians, you have South Sudanese. And therefore, in a sense, this is a melting pot for really the region. And um, part of this complexity is really making sure that um, we do not collapse all of those identities and the individual rights of every, city, of every refugee into some broad brush strategy of the campus. And I think what's needed really is, as I said, there, there is a, I think the camps are operating really on about 20, 20 to 25 percent of what they need. And therefore, funding for education, health, 
for livelihood projects and so on are also needed as, as well. So I think this is probably the other area. We've been very concerned as Amnesty International Kenya about the condition of LGBTIQ plus communities, particularly in Kakuma, um, as uh, they are vulnerable not just to um, the indignity and uh, the precariousness of being a refugee, but secondly, they are among, um, in some cases, homophobic uh, populations, and therefore the attacks on them come at, come at them for two, you know, from two or three different directions. And therefore, it is that community that um, we need to also be thinking of protecting at this time. Um, in the last month or so, we've seen firebomb attacks of um, LGBTIQ communities in Kakuma, um, and particularly the um, uh, famous uh, Block 13. Um, and if there is a, an opportunity to resettle, uh, to increase the resettlement of refugees to third countries, we would strongly advocate that um, these communities be also considered as well as, as others.